0: you can be seated thank you so much for coming to church today i'm glad you're here uh I am very excited about this message uh, because it's a message that has meant a lot to me, and I actually uh, went through some heartache to learn it, so (laughs) I'm going to save you the heartache tax, I hope, on some of this. Uh, We are in 2 Corinthians and have been for quite some time, Uh, but uh, I really wanted to park on a couple of passages because I felt like there was so much in them uh, over the the last few weeks, so uh, the beginning of 2 Corinthians, Tim, we talked about strongholds, about how your thoughts become your reasonings, which then eventually become your strongholds, and talked for about five or six weeks about head games, and now we're in a a series that I've entitled Sphere Theory, and uh, it is a a concept that has really impacted me a lot and made a difference for me, and especially what I want to talk about today, I think, has a significant uh, potential for helping us to live amazing lives. Don't you want to do that? Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 12, for we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves um, and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. We will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere, which God apportioned to us as a measure, to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you, for we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ. Not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we shall be within our sphere enlarged even more by you. So the big idea that is in this passage uh, to me is this concept that the measure of the sphere that God has apportioned to us that each one of us has a sphere assigned to us, a portion to us, and um, in your sphere, in my sphere, there are certain people uh, that are part of my sphere. Uh, there are callings, there are concerns, there are things that, in other words, things that that concern you that God has cause that to concern you so that you could be an answer. And bring an answer that you could be a solution to a problem, and every one of us has kind of overlap in some of that. But all of us have sort of individual spheres. We have uh, responsibilities that each one of us has. Some things you're responsible for, I'm not. Uh, Some things I'm responsible for, you're not. Um, There are certain privileges that come in certain spheres. There is an anointing. There is influence um, that. That's within the sphere that God has apportioned to you. And I think it's so important to understand that some things are in my sphere, Assigned by God, but some things are not, and that's okay. Uh, I, I can't solve every problem, um, and I'm not called to solve every problem. But there are certain things in an assigned sphere, and that's what Paul is recognizing. Um, that I'm, I am I, the Corinthian church to him was within his assigned sphere, the measure of the sphere that was assigned. To him, and I think all of us recognizing what is my assignment on earth, what is my identity, what who am I, what am I supposed to do, um, is enormous to get clear in our lives. I like to picture this idea of a sphere like a solar system. Our earth is in a solar system. The sun is the center of our solar system. There are eight planets that revolve around the sun. There are actually lots of rocks and moons, and we actually had nine planets when I was a kid, but Pluto got downgraded, (laughs) demoted, and is no longer uh, considered a planet within the solar system. uh, But I like to picture the sphere uh, Like a solar system So instead of life being A lot of top-down Kind of give orders Direction, manage people Manage projects, command and control It's really more about I picture my sphere As associations like a solar system That swirl around me And, And you would find that Probably to be true for your life as well Saying that does not mean to say that you are the center of the universe amen just turn and look at your neighbor say he's talking about you right now you should be listening to this part yeah you're you're not the center of the universe if you were the center of the universe that would be a tiny little universe And it may not be a healthy universe, necessarily, for you to be the center. And I think once we we recognize I'm not the center of the universe, God is, and the story is his, and I'm just supporting cast in that story, then I really can find my place within the whole story of history, what's been written. But I realize that once I've established God as the center of the universe, I still have to realize that... What God wants to do in my sphere, in my solar system, is really enlarged or restricted by, by my faith or my ability to take a risk or my understanding of risk or my love or my ceilings or my thinking or my attitude or my perspectives or my generosity or lack of it. In other words, God is a good God who wants to fill your sphere with good things. He is unlimited in his capacity, but the limits are us, are or, as or me, as you within our sphere. So I have to keep increasing my capacity to receive everything that he wants to pour out in and through my life. So we're talking for a few weeks now about some in key ingredients to growing your sphere. Uh, so, I spent a couple of weeks talking about attraction and growing your attraction factor, which I think is super important presence, love, density, invitation, and Culture, And I'm going to talk about the number two and three today for just a few moments. Just spend a moment or two on on the sense of why presence is important. And then we are going to dive into why love is the glue that holds your solar system together. Presence. uh, Presence is a powerful thing. Um, But the reason that Pluto got downgraded as a planet is because there was a realization that Pluto was actually more affected by Neptune as a planet than the sun. So the sun is the center of our solar system. Our solar system doesn't have an official name. It's called solar system. And, and, and for years, scientists, you know, were people who were trying to build calendars, astronomers, thought the Earth was the center of things and eventually realize that the sun is the center of the solar system and it's the sun is this mass of energy and rock and this big huge planet called the sun that has all this heat and energy to it and there are planets that revolve around it there's mars there's earth there's venus there's jupiter there's you know there's all these different planets that revolve around the sun Planets orbit around a sun or the center of a solar system But when they get too far removed From the center, they spin out of the solar system or When the gravitational pull of something else pulls them out of that solar system They're no longer within that solar system now I'm not trying to give you a science lesson. I'm trying to give you a life lesson. And what I want to say is there are people that God has assigned to your sphere. And when, when your presence is not felt in their life for a long enough period of time... There's going to be a a Neptune that shows up and possibly sucks them out of your orbit. I'm convinced there there is power in your presence. And time was going to tell what impact social media is gonna have on our relationships, you know? But I will say there's no substitute for someone's physical presence in your life. Um, And people orbit around your presence and you have to establish and maintain your presence in the world of people that are supposed to be in your orbit you have to stay in their world to keep them in your world when jesus called his disciples he just didn't call his disciples to do stuff for him he calls his disciples to be with him to to hang out in his presence because there was something about being with him that was more powerful than doing things for him. After they spent time with him, they could represent him in a greater way. So uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 14, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Everybody say with him. With him. He, he wanted them to hang out with him. He wanted them to be around him. He wanted them to watch Him respond to the Pharisees. Wanted to respond to sick people, to respond to need, to respond to struggles, to respond to great days. When he wanted them to be around, so that they could be around when he fed the five thousand, or when he fed the seven thousand. And so Jesus said, "I want you to be around me, and so that you get something off of me, then I can send you out to preach." He literally called them to hang out in his presence. And I I just, I'm not going to take a long time with this, but I I just want to encourage you to make sure you establish your presence and keep your presence in the world of people who are supposed to be in your orbit. I'm not saying that you always have to physically be with them, but you've got to do something that makes them feel you. It's not always just about being sit right in front of them, but it could be a text, it could be a phone call, it could be a gift, it could be some kind of indicator that lets them know, you're on my mind. You, you, you're important to me. You're, you're in my world. I really believe that a lot of people end up pulling away from God because they don't actually spend time in the presence of God they 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 might do some religious stuff but eventually they get drawn away because they haven't actually been in his presence i i i get concerned when i watch people start missing too much church because eventually there's a neptune going to show up and suck that pluto right out of orbit can anybody hear what i'm saying Uh, i think it's easy to form false judgments about people until you're actually in their presence right i've always said lack of communication is the breeding ground for vain imagination but I actually think lack of presence, you, when you're sitting across the table from someone and you can feel them, you have a whole different judgment than when you're separated and you're at a distance and you're evaluating them. And how many of you know your head can go whack? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like... There's people, you could, you could be reading their stuff online and think, oh, they're this way, but you don't know anything about them. I always think it's funny, uh, not funny, I think it's sad. I think it's tragic when people make fun of Joel Osteen, because I've actually been around Joel Osteen, and I want to tell you, that guy is sincere, authentic, loves God, loves people. And people make these judgments from a distance that they would not make if they were actually in his presence, And and I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, you, you, and you get too separated from somebody, and all of a sudden you start making false judgments. The power of presence is a very powerful thing. Um, I think when you miss too many dinners, something starts to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think when you miss too many ball games, th- something starts to happen. I think when you miss too many opportunities just to be with them, there's something powerful about just sometimes when people are going through stuff, they don't need your answer. You don't even have an answer, but they could use your presence in a serious way. Your presence will bring something amazing. And when those things are missing, they start to drift out of your orbit. Can anybody hear what I'm saying? Amen. Okay. So... Now let's talk about this, love. Everybody say love. love. Love is the glue that holds your solar system together. Love is the, is, the, is the glue that keeps the orbit going. Now, this was a big lesson for me, and, uh, and, and it, it has made a big difference in the way that I live and the way that I lead. Colossians 3, uh, verse 14. Colossians 3, verse uh, says this. Beyond all these things, put on love, which means you're not always going to feel love. Love is not a feeling. Love can result in feelings, but sometimes <laughs> you just got to put it on. Right? Just put it on. That's the same, like worship. Sometimes you might not feel like worship, but put on a garment of praise. Right? You might not feel happy, but put on joy. Put on peace. The Bible's full of this put on, take off kind of stuff. Beyond all these things, put on love. Love is the perfect bond of unity. Love is the gravity that holds a solar system together. I have always been a bit of a visionary in that I, I, I can see where I want things to go. Uh, I can paint a picture, and uh, and it it is part of an. A requirement for anybody to live a, a life is to kind of see where you want to go and to have a vision. And I used to lead leaning heavily on vision and encourage people to unite around the vision. And I think that's still a good thing. You know, how can two walk together except they be agreed, the book of Amos says. But the thing I've discovered is that Vision can unify, but it also can separate because everybody sees a little different. And if you keep depending on the same vision constantly for everything to unify, eventually there's going to be a separation. When things get too vision-driven, then it often becomes you're using people to fulfill your vision. It's what they can do for you rather than the fact that you love them. Can I hear what I'm saying? And I just think in our day We got to realize that just because you see it a little different than I see it, we could still stay walking together because love is the perfect bond of unity. I don't care if you voted for Hillary or Trump. That doesn't affect me. I might think you're wrong. You might think I'm wrong. But love will help us stick together. And eventually, you may discover how wrong you really are. (laughs) Or I may discover how wrong I really am. But if I love you and you know it, and you love me, and I know it, we are gonna stick together. (laughs) Love will overlook differences. Love will overlook faults. (laughs) Love will not focus on all the quirks of humanity. Love will stick with you love is the gravitational field love is the orbiting glue and it might be a simple exhortation but i think it's an important one that i want to encourage you to love the people that are in your world like husbands love your wives That would have been a great place for you to get some big points, guys. Uh, The second chance won't work. You know how the girls are. It's got to be spontaneous. (laughs) Amen. Wives, love your husbands. (laughs) Yeah, good going, girls. Guys, I didn't set you up right for that. I'm Sorry. Love your kids. And I, know, I know they can be aggravating sometimes, but so are you. <laughs> they told me. No. Come on. Don't don't be aggravated with your church. Love your church. Hello. I'm saying that love can do a powerful thing. And I had a turning point a few years ago where we were going through a pretty stormy season, and every church goes through storms, uh, and every, every marriage goes through storms, every business goes through storms, every nation goes through storms. It's just, it's just the way it is. And we're, our church is going through a storm, and I'm trying to figure out what what meaneth this? <laughs> you know, what is, What the heck is going on? And I felt like the wheels were coming off. I felt like things were really unraveling. And I was, I was taking a step back to question and say, what is this? What does this really mean? Am I supposed to stay put? Uh, am I supposed to move on? I mean, what, 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 what's happening here? And I just, I want to encourage all of us to understand and remember that, Circumstances are never supposed to be your guide. In other words, don't make a dumb decision in the middle of a storm that you're going to look around on a sunshiny day and go, why did I do that? Right, because when you're in the middle of a storm, you don't know what's north, south, east, west, right, left. You don't know. So don't make a big decision in the middle of a storm, but sometimes circumstances can, can at least point you to the guide. And so I am, uh, I am in the middle of this, and, and I have to say, emotionally, I'm struggling. I'm kind of dredging bottom, to be honest, uh, at this stage in my life, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm reading my Bible, just my regular, just reading my Bible, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me out of the book of Deuteronomy. Now, you know, this is miraculous, <laughs> to get a real word out of Deuteronomy But I think it helped me. I think it could help some of us. So Deuteronomy 15, uh, starting in verse 12. If your kinsman, a Hebrew man or woman, is sold to you, then he shall serve you six years. But in the seventh year, you shall set him free. When you set him free, you shall send him away, and you shall not send him away empty-handed." You shall furnish him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine vat. You shall give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. And this, this is the verse that got me. Verse 16. It shall come about if he says to you, I will not go out from you because he loves you, and your household since he fares well with you then you shall take an awl and pierce it through his ear into the door ouch and he shall be your servant forever and also you shall do likewise to your maidservant and so here's the story six years a slave now if you want to leave you can and if you go, I'll send you out blessed, everything from the field, from the barn, from the wine vat. Woohoo! Everything is great. But if you say, I don't want to leave because I love it here. Then you pierce the ear and you stick it out. I want to say, I think everything has seasons that end, and that's okay. And I think it's, it's, I like this principle, this idea. Six years, that's long enough to say you gave it a good go. You sunk your teeth into it. You tried that job for long enough. It doesn't have to be exactly six years. But in other words, you gave it a go. Now, I'm gonna, let me put a qualifier out here as I'm saying all this. I'm not asking you to apply this to your marriage. <laughs> right? Don't walk away and say, Pastor Kirk said I can walk away free. No, no, no. If you say I do, you're done. And try to work it out. And, and I could go forever on this, but I won't. But I am saying this, once you give it enough time that you realize, okay, you have a feeling my six years are up, and it's time to stop and evaluate and say, does this still fit me? Is this still my style? Is this who I am? I like George Bernard Shaw. He said, uh, the only man who behaves sensibly is my tailor. He takes my measurements anew each time he sees me. Everyone else keeps trying to fit me into old measurements. <laughs> In other words, those pants don't fit you no more. And, and I, think it's, I think it's a good thing to occasionally stop and evaluate and look at does this schedule still work for me? Are these still really my priorities? Is this the work that I want to do? Are these relationships helping me? Am I helping them? To evaluate yourself, to evaluate your world. And I think some things they just fall off over time, but some things you got to let it go. Right? There's a great book I would encourage you to read if you're kind of contemplating on all that. Henry Cloud wrote a book called Necessary Endings, and, and he's talking about normalizing the fact that some things come to an end, and that's okay. Nobody's wrong for that to happen. And learn to let things go. But I think after... Six years after a decent season, you've evaluated, and this is what happened to me. I'm going, God, get, set me free. Why don't you, babe? You know, I mean, I'm, can, and I don't think God would have been mad if if I would have moved necessarily to another town. But I I had this realization that I actually. Really, despite the storm, despite the stuff, despite the sense that the wheels were feeling like they were coming off, I actually had this, I really love my church, and I'm ready to pierce, I'm ready to, I'm not going to get a tattoo because I don't do those. I'm not against them, but I don't do them. And, and I got to this point where I realized, if I'm going to do it, I got to love it. I can't just tolerate it. I can't just put, go through the motions. I can't just wo- hope and wonder, is there something else? I had to stop and have a realization in this moment. I could go free, but I love this place. And the storm wasn't gonna guide me, but the love for this place is what guided me. And I'm saying to you today, you got to love what you do. I'm not saying what you love is easy. But I'm saying you got, there's something in you. There's, it's no way to live to always be aggravated, to always be frustrated, to always be just, oh, I hate this place. I hate this job. I hate this city. I hate, there's no way to live. Colossians 3, verse 23, 24. Whatever you do, do your work heartily with your whole heart as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of your inheritance. It's the Lord Christ who you serve. I'm just saying to us today, what the Bible teaches us is whatever you do, do it with all your heart. In other words, don't live a half-hearted life if you're going to be married love it (laughs) hello i i I think i don't know all the keys to a great marriage i think i know a couple but i know one of them is you got to decide you want a great marriage you got to you got to decide you're going to love that person no matter what and you're going to stick it out you're going to work it through I don't think you can do anything half-hearted and be great. I think you can accomplish more with wholehearted and less talent than tons of talent but half-hearted. So, yeah, for some of us, it probably is going to be a good evaluation to say, I have got to be set free. But for some of us, we're going to go, you know what? I've been half-hearted about this thing for so long and I've got to realize, I love this. I love my kids. <laughs> I love my spouse. I, I love my job. I, I love my church. I love the life that God has given me, the assignment that he's given to me. I think a legit, lasting relationship with God is only born out of love. I, th- I think if, until we have this realization God loves me unconditionally fully he doesn't ever turn that love away ever and I love him that's the relationship that's gonna last that's the relationship that's gonna be whole you're never gonna be perfect you're never going to obey all the rules. That's, even, that's not even what it's about. Sure, God's going to help you grow as a person, help me grow as a person, but ultimately, a real relationship with God is held together by the glue of love. I want to pray with you today. I want you to bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. And I want to take a moment to pray. Father, all of us reach these impasses in life where we've got to stop and evaluate. Is, is this my sphere? Is this my life? And I'm praying for every person in this room, Father, to, to uh, decide again, to put on love, which is the perfect Glue that holds it together. I'm praying for marriages. I'm praying for families. I'm praying for friendships. I'm even praying for people in their work career. You've gifted each one of us to do something that we could love. And I'm praying for awareness and openness. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I think the most important thing that could come out of today is about ready to happen right now. Maybe you have never really just given your heart to the Lord. I don't know, maybe you thought you had to clean up or get it, things together, but maybe you've just never really submitted yourself and said, God, I'm putting my life into your hands. I would love to pray with you and start that journey. Maybe you're here today and there used to be a day, and you know it, where you actually used to be closer to God than you are today. And you know it's time for you to come home, for you to give your heart back to Jesus. I would love to pray with you. Or maybe you're just here today and feel unsure about where you stand. Nobody's looking around, just for a moment. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed, please, just for a minute. And you say, Pastor, uh, would you? I want to be included in that prayer. I want to give my life to Christ, or I know I need to come back, or I just want to be sure I'm right with Him. And you say, that's me. Would you lift your hand right now and just say, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. Anybody else? God bless you. Thanks. Thank you. Right here. God bless you. Come on. You know this isn't a call for you to get your act together. This is a call for you to open your heart. Anybody else say, yeah, that's me. Include me. Amen. Thank you. Let's, let's pray this prayer together. I want everybody to repeat these words with me. This is uh, for those who lifted their hand, but I'd like for us all to pray together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I opened my life. I open my heart to your love and your Lordship. I know I've sinned, and I come to the cross where you've paid the price for my sin, for my forgiveness. Today I embrace you as my Lord. This is a new beginning, a fresh start. Help me become the person. You created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord together. Amen.